This is To Catch a Con Man, Season 2, in The Victim's Voices. I will take you on another fascinating journey, but this time you will hear from other men and women that, like me, have fallen prey to the various cons, scams, and deceits by one of the most prolific and successful con artists to live and operate in the Midwest. You know him as Ricky Dugo. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. Thank you for listening in to Season 2 of To Catch a Con Man in The Victim's Voices. On this next episode of To Catch a Con Man, we will talk to yet another victim that was searching for a mentor and someone that could show him the ropes on how to start a new business venture. He literally bumps into Ricky Dugo in a chance encounter that eight months later had left him and his family completely broken. If he could go back in time to that day he met Ricky Dugo and change that random event, he would run the other way. Let's go back to early 2001 to 2002 and meet David Andrew. originally from uh, Illinois, northwest suburbs of Illinois, um, currently living, residing in, uh, in Florida, Tampa. Very cool. Um, when you were living in the northwest suburbs, David, um, where were you? Were you out in Addison? Yeah, uh, Addison, um, Addison, Medina, um, Itasca, Roselle, um, you know, uh, Bloomingdale. Okay. Those, you know, those, those cities. All right. So, so take me back in time. How old are you? What's the year? You know, what are you doing? Like, you know, you, you... so the years, I believe either 2001 or 2002, uh, two. um, I remember because I had a, uh, I had my very first um, sport bike, motorcycle, um, and it was a it was a 2001 as a second year. So yeah, it would be 2003 actually. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Okay. 2003, and um, I remember I was just riding and uh, going to work, and work for me was at the time uh, Valley Total Fitness on Army Trail Road um, in Glendale Heights, and. I was running late. I was a trainer. Um, 
you know, previously to that, what got me into being a trainer, I was, little story about me, I was, I was fairly heavy. Um, I was very heavy. My mom's a chef. And in the European culture, especially Italian, which I am half at least, um, they stuff you. They feed you with like a, a sign of, of love. Yeah. It's just to keep stuffing you with food, just continuous. It's like, it's just never ending. And she did. Like, uh, I, I ate and I was a little fat ass for, for that reason. Um, I turned some things around and uh, I lost a lot of weight and I felt good and wanted to share my accomplishments with others that were struggling so I, didn't, I wanted to give a uh, personal training a try and um, I did so when it comes to um, how I met Rick I remember the day because I was trying to and did unfortunately uh, lose the police on my motorcycle I got caught speeding and I didn't slow down I lost them um I just figured that if I was going to get pulled over, I was going to be in deep trouble. So I just, I just ran. I know that's not the thing to do and I'm not proud of it, but that's 20 years ago. So, um, when I parked my bike and I was literally running into valleys, I bounced off of an individual and fell flat on my ass. Um, I was six foot, yeah. I, I was six foot three, you know, um, a hundred and maybe sixty-five pounds, hundred and sixty-two pounds. So I was very wiry, uh, tall and wiry. Um, it helped because I was the ugly duckling that transformed. That was picked up to be um, to do um, outside of the um, personal training. What I did was um, runway shows. I was uh, in the entertainment world. I did modeling. I do voiceover work. I did. Um, television shows, um, acting, um, I'm, you know, tied with Cinespace, um, in Chicago, I've had inclusivity, you know, representation. I did that for 17 years. Um, so back to bouncing off of someone, I literally fell on my ass. Um, and I looked up and there's this, you know, big, you know, nice looking guy, muscular, all like done up his hair, nails were perfect, nice smile all tan you know at the time you know tanning and this and that that was the thing the spiky hair that was the thing got to be got to be glued the spiky gel you know to put in your hair to make it look good that would never come off um i looked up and he gave me a helping hand he goes oh man you know you gotta watch it um and i said hey i'm sorry he's like oh it's all right man i, I saw you were kind of rushing into work you didn't see and you just you know you fell i'm sorry um, surrounded by a couple people, you know, again, dressed at the time, you know, with all those Adidas jumpsuits and the new, um, you know, diesel, um, like square toe, like shoes that were very popular and like, you know, so I was walking and he had this beautiful, you know, white SUV with 22 inch, I think he called them Giovanni rims, you know, it was all about the wheels, the chrome and... I was like, oh, wow, you know, and he, um, you know, he, he said, hey, I'll, I'll catch you around. And, you know, I I started to build a relationship with him at, at the gym, not knowing, you know, anything and just being kind of like mesmerized by 
all these nice things that he has and you know people that like showed him respect and you know he's always seemed pleasant and i'm like oh that that's you know not having an older brother i'm like well that that's kind of that would be cool you know i look i'm looking i'm looking up to that i'm like oh that's that's nice you know always had money taking care of his buddies he would give me a couple bucks to get like protein shakes and this and that just because he sees me working and that's where i met him was at work um i mean he talked to me one day and he goes you know do you, do you ever like would you ever want to do something to you know make you know good money you know and kind of like be well off i said well of course I, i'm like who, who wouldn't like you know he's like well you know what i do i said no what do you do you know um i'm interested he talked to me about you know car washes um and how they're just nothing but money and um talked about that he, he owned a couple of them and he took me you know eventually um you know talked to me about you know how much profit they could make and this and that and you know kind of captured my interest and little by little he kept inviting me you know to places with him one day he would come to the valley total fitness in um glendale heights and like he literally brought me um a bag with um brand new adidas jumpsuit you know similar to like what he wore and you know no one's ever done anything like that for me um i just thought that this guy had all this money and i'm like wow how cool is that to just go out and buy a hundred dollars of you know jumpsuit for, for no reason um fight me out i felt special i was like oh cool you know no one's ever done that for me um yeah we get to go out it takes me out to different places to eat and this and that and he continuously talks about this car wash and he takes me over to see that this friend is john st pierre and john st pierre um you know again to me didn't look like much of anything looked like a recovering drug addict like he, there's nothing to him he just doesn't look like he's anything and he lives in this little apartment uh, in chicago or some kind of room that he's renting from someone and there's nothing in there there's a couch a, a tv i mean very plain very just whatever and he's telling me about the car wash and how good about you know money business it is and um hey i you know I'm, i'm 20 21 years old i i didn't really think anything of it you know i'm just looking the guy didn't impress me like rick did but i'm like you know people are different um you know next thing you know he starts taking me to places um for potential, you know, um car wash uh, adventures where where we could put another one up and he wanted me to be a manager. Um and he's like you can manage, you know, this and you'd have some guys that you would tell them, you know, when to work and this and that and make sure everything goes, you know, goes over well and <clears throat> um you know, kind of taught me a little bit here and there about car washes and I learned about like zoning and what you need to have by the county and this that the other permission to to do the business you know whatever 
um, didn't really spend too much time on that. Again, I, I didn't know any better. Uh, at this time, he started to ask me, you know, for money to help him invest in the business. Um, also, at this time, you know, he's met my family. Um, unfortunately, shortly before I met Rick, my mother and father separated. Had they not been, I don't think I would be having this conversation with you. Hmm. So my mother being a chef, Italian, and caring individual, um, you know, listened to Rick and, and this and that, and she spoke to my uncles. My uncles are doctors. They own their own family practice, um, one in LaGrange and one in South Barrington, successful in their you know, in their, in their craft. Um, you know, he always carried a cross around talking about how he's a soldier of God and, you know, this and that. So and he met my uncles. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, I was just gonna, if I can interrupt, um, this is, this is, this is a wild and crazy journey, uh, that you're taking me on here. Um, and, and what I can tell is, um, not only, you know, a, a lot of victims, a lot of Rick Dugo victims are more like acquaintances, buddies, but it seemed like you guys really forged this relationship. You looked up to him. This was somebody that, that you admired, you, you wanted to be like, um, and he gave you an impression Right, that that he's, um, he's you know he's coming from money. He's got these businesses, so there's a like an emotional, th- uh, there's like almost like an emotional con here, like that's a little bit different, and um, I'm really finding your story to be interesting. Just so the, I just want you to know, like th- this is, it's very interesting. Um, I have a couple questions about timing. Um, you mentioned that this was in 2003 that you met him thereabouts. Um, who is is Rick dating anybody? Do you know? Do you know? Like, yeah. Any, yeah, who's yeah, he? Rick, Rick, Rick is dating any any piece of ass that he could get his hands on. Rick would stop anything to go to this Enza girl. Yeah, and I, honestly, with all due respect. She had the body of olive oil from Popeye. She was this little twig. Yeah. Small. You know, there's nothing like about this girl that was just like mesmerizing. But it was his kryptonite. Okay, Enza. Yeah. And it's, you know, he would get her anything and everything. Matter of fact, the things that I had to like do and like at this time, you know, again, through our journey, things that he had me doing that again, I didn't, I didn't know any better. I didn't, I didn't think that this kind of disgusting people existed. I'm 21 years old. Um, it's things that I would never do. So I would never do it. So why would I, I didn't think it exists in the world. My life experience was nothing. I mean, I, you know, I went to school, high school, I went to college a little bit and college to page. You know, I, I just worked and did the entertaining thing and while I you know worked um, at Bally's I just tried to keep myself afloat um, 
Rick would find and like find girls. One girl, um, her name was Maria. Well, she 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 was a, a, a waitress at this little twenty-four hour diner. She seemed like a very nice person, and you know he would get this other girl, Anna Borzecki. At the time, she was like a receptionist at a Chevrolet dealership, if I recall. Blonde hair, blue eyes, a Polish girl, um, a little thick, but a very nice person. But long story short, he would hook these girls and have them like do things for him to help him uh, create more revenue for himself. And what I mean by that is, he would have like Maria, and he would have Anna. Um, put Rolexes. He would go to CD Peacock yep. and have them fill out a credit application and next thing you know he has a yacht master or a sea dweller or a submariner with, with a date and time. Um, you know, a Daytona. You know, I just he has all these different Rolexes and they have 90 days no pay. So he tells them, you know, um, and in one, one year interest free, blah, blah, blah. And he, he tells them, yeah, you know me, I got you. I never let anything bad happen to you. And, you know, I'll give you the money when you get the bill. Just let me know. But this helps me. Thank you so much. I've always wanted this. You're you're such a sweetheart. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. You know, now thinking about it, I'm like, God, what a disgusting sack of dog shit. Um, yeah, and then he would take those down to Howard Fromm and pawn them off. Well, well, no, wait, no, wait, wait. He would. But I was his... I was his, I was his mule. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll call you a yeah, mule. I was his, <laughs> yeah, I was his mule. And I would end up taking these watches and I took five or six of them. The thing is, I have to give my driver's license and I'm the one getting the cash in hand. Needless to say, I took probably $40,000 on six watches, cash and in hand. Then, and then what did you have to give the Dugo? What was his take, all of it? I gave, I gave it all to him because we needed it to build the business. So I didn't know at the time who these watches belonged to. He just told me, here's the receipt, here's the box, here's the papers, go see Howard. He's expecting you, call me when you get there so he doesn't lowball you. He'll talk to Howard and say, oh, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Okay, so... And, you know, I'm recruiting. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Keep on going. Yeah, the next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting $7,000, $8,000 cash with a receipt. I'm signing papers that I sold the watch. I'm now, mind you, making me completely liable for the possession that doesn't belong to Rick, that belongs to Anna, that belongs to Maria, that belongs to Jackie, that belongs to Nicole, that belongs to whoever uh, guys too i mean it, it, it wasn't always girls but he would try to be conning other guys but again i didn't know this he kept everyone secret of course of course you know, why would he have me mingling with other guys that when he goes out and goes oh i'll be back i'll call you in a few hours he's gonna go see this guy and he's gonna go see that guy and he's gonna go see this guy because he's doing the same shit but i was the nicest one i gave him the most so so what I mean, like, did he ever throw you a bone? Did he, I mean, outside of this promise of uh, investment that uh -huh. you're building? No, he he would um 
he would give me a couple of dollars here and there. I'm talking 50 bucks, a hundred dollars. You know, while I'm, I'm coughing up thousands, I lost 80, personally, I lost 82,000. Now, yeah, back in the midst of all this stuff, when I told you that he was meeting my family, they were all, they all knew about Rick and what was going on and they thought he was a nice guy. Again, he made a great front. <laughs> um, my uncle being doctors, one of them was convinced by Rick, especially since his nephew was gonna be going into business with him, me. He helped Rick do two things. One was put an F-350 pickup dually truck, 2003, gray with red graphics from Rizzo Ford on Harlem or North Riverside, wherever it is. Um, in his name for Rick, followed by a 46 foot cigarette racing, racing boat yeah. with twin 12 torque engines. My uncle put in his name and almost cost him uh, his life, a divorce almost with my aunt. What, what was the name uh, of that boat? I don't know. I don't know. It was white with all these colorful graphics on the side. It had twin V12 torque engines that were 1200 horsepower apiece, number six drives, and it was an all white leather cabin. Wow. Um, <clears throat> at the time, they did an article in this boating magazine, and they called it a diamond in the rough. And it was a 2003 or 2004 magazine. And I remember the price of the boat was 456,000. Yeah, and that's back in in 2003. That's probably like a seven, $800,000 boat today, maybe even more. Correct. So my uncle was on the hook for this boat and it was literally with the interest and everything. The payments were like $3,000 a month for 30 years. So how did that work? So he put, your uncle puts his name on a boat for Rick. What does Rick do with this boat? I mean, it, it, doesn't it eventually get repossessed? Doesn't it eventually get sold? See, and that's just it. Rick, what he did was he would buy these things, but he would make sure that the loans had like deferred payments, like 90 day deferred payments. So it gave him time to use the truck. It gave him time. So he would make minimal payments. He might make a payment or two on the truck, but that's because he can take his beautiful boat on Lake Michigan um and entertain people and show people that he has money because he's got this boat no one's gonna question him most people are mesmerized by very nice things that are flashy they don't ask questions um so he would continue to capture people of all ages interest in wanting to do any kind of business anything whatever the hell it was they just Wanted to do something with Rick because he was big and strong and muscles and had 46 foot fucking race boats and, you know, always had fucking, uh, you know, boat parties with bimbos and all sorts of shit that I never participated in because he didn't want me to see him doing what he does. I always did his bitch work. I always did the mule. I was always trying to get more money. I was always talking to friends and family, trying to generate more money to try to put into the business. Um, yeah, let's go back. I mean, I, I so I, I totally get the image of burgeoning success. He has a couple great cons, and then that just begets more and more bigger cons. It's amazing how he was able to have this almost like a domino effect. If he had a major score, he was set up for a long time. 
Um, right. But let's go back. Talk to me about your deal. Let's go back to the Rolexes where you're building, you know, you're building, um, you know, you're building capital capital for, for a business. How does your how does your family get involved? I mean, are you pitching this to them? Is Rick pressuring you to pitch this to them? Yeah, it was it was both. You know, eventually he was like, "Go and ask all your family, let them know what's going on. That we need money for the business." So he would he would introduce himself, tell them all what he does and what he would like to do, and then he has me going and asking my family, "Hey guys, if you guys please." You know, I'm trying to go into business with Rick and we're opening up the car wash and I'd like to be a business owner. You know, I, I put in, you know, a lot of my money. I put in, you know, um, but we're a little short. You know, if there's a couple thousand dollars that you can help me out with, you know, uh, I'll pay you back in good time. And my uncles, my aunts, you know, they're, they're, they have money. Yeah, they were well they're to doctors. do. Yeah, they were doctors. Yeah. Like, they're okay. You know, so <laughs> or they were okay. They, they were <laughs> much your, I wouldn't think anything of it. And they give me three, four, or five thousand dollars. I go cash it and a check for it, and I would give it to Rick. And it would, it was, um, and I, 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 between my my family and myself, friends, anybody that I I talked to to try to get money for the business. I know that I, I probably collected $180,000, um, 82 of it being mine. But from friends and family, I collected over $100,000 in a span of six months. And, and, what is, um, and what do you think Rick is doing with this money? Because at this time, at this point, David, he's not married. He doesn't have kids, which, you know, obviously in, in, in like today's age, you know, he's he's buying him new shoes. He's buying his wife a new Louis Vuitton. But he's a single bachelor back then, crushing people. Right. What is he doing with all the money? Well, he's also also. I mean, he's when I tell you he's a piece of shit. Um, one 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 occasion at my house, um, he was he lied about his age. You may hear me cut a few parts of this conversation out as an allegation that is so shocking and severe is detailed out that I needed to refer this information back to law enforcement as this is the second time this same allegation has been made by two separate financial crime victims that were very close to Ricky Dugo in the early to mid 2000s. I simply can't talk about it on this podcast as it goes above and beyond the story of just being a career con man and scammer. But I, I just felt bad because I just, I wish I could have you know, done something, and I, I, in my head, I was thinking red flags, like, oh, God, I'm going to get, we're going to get in trouble, and I'm going to lose all the the money, the business, I'm going to lose, you know, whatever I I have invested with this guy, so I just wanted to go, I wanted to go away, again, I I have no idea about the real world, like, I seriously, I, I didn't even have a girlfriend until I was 21 years old, because of my being heavy, I didn't understand when I lost weight and the girls would talk to me that they were actually taking an interest in me. 
I was I was so naive because I have never ever interacted with the girls because of how big I was that it, it was it, it never crossed my mind like it just I was like aloof I was just like whatever how do you look at Dugo like then moving forward obviously you're engaged in a business deal but I mean yeah. you're looking at him different right well it started it started because this was months into our adventure and I was very nervous and scared and now I'm starting to see like bits and pieces of things that just didn't make sense but I didn't know I didn't know how to go about doing it nor did I want to go to my family because I would feel like I'm going to be looked at as a, as a fool like I'm stupid Sure. And I just wanted to try to prove everybody wrong that this business existed. Um, so I, I did everything to try to get it off the ground in a in a in, in a place very deep because I didn't really want to focus on that. My focus was trying to become successful and and get this business off the ground. Um. He, I mean, he, he took this girl from the nail, a nail salon in, 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 in Glendale Heights across the street from the Best Buy on Army Trail Road. There's a little nail salon in there, and her name was Jackie. And um, he, took, he took her for a new um, Suzuki Hayabusa silver one he kept in my garage a motorcycle mm -hmm. and he knew that he could sell it um you know he can have it taken and he can get probably ten thousand dollars for the parts because it's new right so the motor the fairings the the brakes the wheels the, the you know the the wiring like the computer you know like he yeah he was partying he it out yeah Again, I didn't know that that was the intentions. Like the guy was just fucking evil. He's he's the fucking devil in disguise. He's he's a piece of shit. I don't um, I don't disagree with you, David. I don't disagree with you at all. But long story short, if I ever saw this piece of shit ever without any hesitation, I would fucking bull charge him and beat the fuck out of Rick. Yeah. It was so much anger and rage inside me. I, I swear to God, I think I'd, I'd kill him. Yeah, you probably would. I don't doubt it. Like I just, uh, David, I mean, I don't doubt it. Um, I've been there, you know. Um, I've been there. Um, yeah. I'm sorry about that, too. No. I, you know, I, th these are all... You know, there's... What I think happens with these interviews, David, is I think that there's a catharsis that happens. I think that there's like a, a moment where people feel so like vulnerable and they're so ashamed and embarrassed and all of a sudden they get to talking about it with somebody else that the, like, like, like another person that this happened to and you relate. We have something in common. We have a brotherhood of sorts um, yeah. because we I know it. how it feels to be fucked over by Rick Dugo. So it's, it, it's a weird thing to say, but I've never talked to you. I've never met you. I've only seen you on the, you know, the, the Dorothy Tucker special on CBS two news. Um, but I knew that we would have a connection 
everybody that I talk to that is a victim, I have a connection to. And so the beauty of all of this is, you know, if there's other people that you ever want to talk to, I could probably get you in touch with others if it makes you feel better. I mean, um, I wouldn't walk around with so much rage all the time. Um, at this point, you know, how do you feel? Let, let me ask you this. So he took you for $82,000. Where's that money coming from? Where did it start? How did you make the money? Well, you know, honest, honestly, you know, I, I, I was doing very well as far as work. You know, I, I was able to live in my, my, my parents in, in the basement. It was like an apartment for me. You know, I furnished it, but I, was, I, I worked my ass off. My first job, I was 13 years old. I, I was a caddy at the Medina Country Club. So when everyone is on in summer break is, is going to sleep and, and sleeping in and staying up late, David was waking up at 5.30 in the morning to go do golf loops at 13. Yeah, you're a hustler, baby. I, 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 I do what I have to do, but I, I wanted things. And I knew that my family wouldn't be able to give me those things. And I had to do it for myself. Respect, man. I get it. Uh, my, you know, yeah, my first job was at, at 13 as well. Um, so you made some money as a kid. You did yeah. well at ballet. I saved everything. Yeah. Um, and, and I did. I did. I did. I did modeling. You know, I, I, I've, I've been on billboards. I've been in magazines. I've, I got paid to do voiceover work for video games. I mean, I, I, I legitimately like. I'm a SAG actor, like I'm on an IMDb. If you look my name up, you'll see my credentials. I've got like 14, 15 pro professional credentials. You know, I've been on Nickelodeon iCarly. I've been on The Mentalist. I've been in CSI Miami. I've been on um, Veronica Mars. I've been on a bunch of fucking television shows. I've done movies. I mean, I commercials. Um, and that's how I, I, you know, was able to, in the beginning, you know, I did some of those things and I, I would get chunks of change, $5,000, $6,000 for a job that took eight hours. And I, my agents would cut me my checks and I'd pay taxes and they'd go into bank and I just let it grow. And I, I was, you know, proud of myself. I, I didn't need anyone to tell me I could or could not buy anything. And I was like, it, I was, I felt good. And I felt like I was going to be taking <clears throat> the money that I made and I was going to be doing something awesome and, and and building a a, a business um and, and 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 being you know way ahead of the game at the age of 21 22 you know i was gonna be like yeah you know i'm like holy shit yeah i'm gonna have a business you know before i'm 25 and i'm gonna be successful and I'm, I'm gonna have all those nice things and i'm gonna fucking open up another car wash i'm gonna have a whole fucking chain of fucking dirty days car washes all over the fucking place right and you know yeah, you know, it, 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 it was it was just a facade. It was a, yeah. it was a fairy tale. Yeah. Nothing about it. Yeah. Nothing about it was real, except for the fact that there were car washes that we went to go visit that did not belong to Rick. But of course, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna ask the fucking people that are washing his car and treating him like he's the boss. Hey, is that is that is that guy the boss? Right. When they're calling him boss and this and that, but the thing is, is he orchestrated it. Right. The thing is, is he would have John St. Pierre or whoever the fuck's car wash it was, you know, hey, when Big Rick comes in, 
you know, he's got some people in there. I want you all to call him, you know, boss or boss man, or you know, I want, I want, I want everyone. I want the guy that he's with to think like it's this is his place. Wow. And that's what he, that's what he did. You know, so why would I think otherwise? Yeah, no, I'm not. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not. There's no judgment. I, I completely get it. I mean, he built. This is a. It's a bit more complex because he actually built a, a complete, you know, facade and, and 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 a fake venue with almost like people that were either paid off or. Um, it's pretty wild, man. Um, I'm so, and I and I am sorry that it happened to you as well. Um, it's terrible. Because I mean, like, yeah. if you think like eighty-two thousand dollars, like if you were twenty, I mean, if you would have put that in the stock market, you'd have like a million bucks today, you know? You know, if I took eighty-two thousand dollars and bought Bitcoin fifteen years ago, yeah. when it was two cents a coin, I'd be two hundred billion dollars when I hit the sixty thousand. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, you understand two hundred billion? Trust me, I, I did the the calculations. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, you know, it's, it, it hurts. Thank you for listening to part one of David's interview. You can hear the emotion in his voice. David thought he found a mentor in Ricky Dugo, but instead finds himself in a very compromising position where maybe Dugo isn't who he claims to be. Coming up in part two of David's interview, we may hear of the aftermath of not only the financial con, but also the collateral damage that transpires with his relationships within his own family.